welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Ruth Browning. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. just um, give you that Beth visual so um, it's all right she's a hockey player she can handle it vision builders so I'm going to actually speak on that topic vision building it's vision builders month we have we're excited about this vision so I thought well what's the vision and what are we building let's just so this is called vision builders and here is the vision if you turn in your Bibles to Matthew 16, 18, I'm going to tell you the vision as related to us by Jesus himself. Matthew 16, 18. I say to you that you are Peter and on this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So here it is. It's very simple. This is Jesus' vision. This is what Jesus wants to do now. He's been to earth. He's, he's died. He's resurrected. And he says to Peter, this is my vision now. I will build my church. That's his vision, to build the church. That's Jesus' vision from heaven. To build the church, this church, all churches. That's his vision. So exciting. And, and he says, and there's so much in here. He says, and how am I going to build this vision? He says, well, you're Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Now, you may know that the, the word Peter means rock. So Peter has just had this amazing revelation that you're Jesus. And so Jesus is saying, you're right, Peter. You're a rock, and on this rock... I will build my church. Now, there's a lot of debate about what rock he was talking about, whether it was actually Peter or Peter's revelation. It doesn't really matter. If ever you don't know what the Bible means, like if it's ever unclear, it's because we don't need to know exactly. It's just we generally understand what it says. Like you don't need... People have debate. What does it mean, this or this? I'm like, both, either. It doesn't matter. If it's not clear, it's not clear. So he says, you're Peter and on this rock I will build my church. So he means Peter because Peter did start the church, a normal, everyday man. I'm going to start the church with you, Peter. You're the leader of the, of the 12 disciples. Let's get going. Let's start the church on a man like Peter. So it means Peter himself, but it means every ordinary man. He was an ordinary man. He was a fisherman, but he was an ordinary man with an extraordinary revelation of Jesus, who Jesus was. So it, it's both. He starts on a real man called Peter and a real man, called Brian Houston and a real man called Phil Pringle and a real man called Chris Brown and he starts churches on real men who just go out there and have a vision and start churches but also on ordinary men with, a, with that revelation. It's, it's no good just having any old man. It's got to be a man that understands Jesus and is excited about serving him and, and, and working with Jesus and getting on board this vision. So this is his vision. He's saying, I will build my church The gates of hell will not prevail against it. The plans, the schemes, the nastiness that goes on from the very gates of hell 
and you've only got to turn on the television. I, I actually get this thing these days where I, I sort of get nervous sometimes when I turn on the news. I sort of turn the news on and I go, oh, it's just sort of, it's so nasty. It's just nasty and there's just this sort of evil seeping nastiness sometimes. It comes out of my TV. I go, no, I can't turn that off. Can't listen to that. Remember, who remembers? Was it Skyhooks or Sherbet? And a horror movie. It's the six o'clock news. Who was that? Does anyone remember that? Come on, come on, show your age. Um, so anyway, um, you know, the, the world's, there's a lot of nasty stuff going on out there. And I've got to go back to peace and go back to the word of God and go back to Jesus' vision. And, but he's building the church and it doesn't matter what goes on there. It's not, it's, it's not going gonna, it's not gonna to touch the church. This is what Jesus wants to do. It's going to happen and it is happening. It's been happening ever since he started it 2,000 years ago. This church, it's very, very exciting Jesus is building the church and he says, I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, which is in itself a whole message. I love this message. And so the church is on earth the because the kingdom of heaven sort of is obviously broader and bigger than the church. That includes heaven, eternity, God, angels, and, and all eternity. And the church is has the keys to this kingdom. So they're, they're connected, they're part of each other, but the kingdom sort of, so the church is like a subset of the kingdom. And in the church, we have the keys to the kingdom. So we can, we can open up and see what's happening in heaven and release it here on earth. It's very, very exciting. So that's, we see the connection there between heaven and the church. This, the church is like the gateway to heaven. It's the, it's the place where we can access heaven together as, as a community. And we've got these keys. It's awesome. As Jacob said, how awesome is this place? This is the gateway to heaven. So we're looking forward to going to heaven. Thanks, Eleanor. I mean, heaven's going to be great and we're all excited. But in the meantime, you know, I mean, we've got a few years left on earth, don't we? And we've got to use them well and we're not in heaven. So, we, I mean, that's an exciting vision that we're going to be in heaven for eternity. And we, we've got to make sure we're, you know, we're saved and we're born again. And we've got our entry into heaven through Jesus. That's important. So once we've got that established, we've got to live here on earth. So what's our vision? What are we going to do while we wait to go to heaven? There's no point just sort of saying, well, it's not part doing anything here. We'll just wait to heaven. No, we've got to be engaged and involved in building and growing and learning and loving. And this is, this is Jesus' vision to build his church. And so this is what we do together with him. This is what Jesus is doing. I'm going to do it with him. So he's going to, he says, I will build the church. So let's look at what exactly the church is. What is this structure that we're building? Let's look at it exactly. He says in Ephesians 2.21, in whom, in Christ, the whole building is being fitted together and growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together to be a dwelling place for God to live by his spirit. Whoa. A, dwell, a, a, a dwelling place, as in a home, a place for God to live. So God is in heaven, but he wants to hang out on earth as well. He likes being with us, likes to come down with the plebs. And this says that the church is where he chooses to live on this earth, the church. So not, not one of those magnificent palaces, you know, Buckingham Palace or Windsor Castle or whatever. Not the White House or the Taj Mahal or even, you know, Mount Everest. He sort of sets his little sort of 
place up on the highest mountain in the world or anything like that. No, he, he wants to live in church. He wants to come down to earth, and God has a habit of doing this, coming to earth, being, seeing his creation, seeing how we're all going. And he wants to come down and live in church, in this church. Isn't that incredible? Just think about that. God's like, I'm, I'm having a great time in heaven. I've got the angels. It's perfect. I want to be on earth too because I love you. I love you. It's like, you know, I, I, I love my children. I go and visit them in their little hovels where they live. <laughs> I never saw Caleb's low hovel, but I've been in other hovels. I, I visited them when they lived in the, in the Gervin's garage. That was unusual. You know, you're sort of their first little home. It was basically the bed. That was all there was room for in the garage. So, but I'd visit and I'd, the, the Gervins would be next door and I'm like, hi, look, it's their little home. You know, you love your kids. Go and see where they live in their little places and, you know, you might help them out a little bit, buy them a pillow or something, Caleb. You know, that's what you do when you're a parent. You just want to go and be with your kids no matter where they live. You don't care. So God wants to visit us and he visits us here in church. This is where he comes to live, to be with us. It's incredible. It says you're being built together to be a, a dwelling place for God to live by his spirit. It's just, it's just incredible to me. It's like, what? God lives here? Yes, he does. He really does. Now, I'm not talking about, when we talk about church, there's this building and that's wonderful. That's not, that's not the essence of church. We're the church. It's us. If the building burns down, and it's not going to, okay, if the building burns down and we're all meeting in the courtyard or in the, in the car park and doing another <laughs> vision of raising some more money, but we won't know, that's <laughs> not going to happen. We're the church. We're still the church. It's not like, oh, we're not a church anymore because our building burnt down. No, we're, we're the church. And when we meet together, something mystical and amazing happens. This, this group of people that, that God comes and dwells in each of us where we are a temple in our very self, but more so when we're together, definitely more so when we're together than we're alone. When we're alone, we are a temple of the Holy Spirit and we've got to look after this body and look after this temple. But more when we're together, we, we, we come together and we're, we're a building for God and he comes and he is with us in a way that is really mysterious. It's hard to understand. But you do sense it. You do sense it when you get together. It's like, I love this. Don't you just love church? You just, I just love church. I love it when we all get together. I love it even when things go wrong. It's like, oh, it doesn't matter. I just, I love the people. I love it when we're in the courtyard and the kids are running around. I go, oh, this is the closest we get to heaven on earth. Just this, all of us loving one another and being together. So beautiful. So the church is God's home on earth. This is Jesus' vision to build this home, to make it more beautiful for him. The church is Jesus' body, Ephesians 4.15. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From this, the whole body is joined and held together by every supporting ligament and grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So the church is the body of Christ. We are his body. We are his body. This is another element. It's a, a whole different image. We've got this God's building and then we've got Jesus' body. Jesus is the head and we're his body. So right at the moment, if Jesus wants to do something on earth, 
He, he uses his body just like I do. If I, want, you know, if I want to help someone, I use my hands, help, love. And he uses us. He uses the body to do things, to, to, to love people, to go to prisons, to, to go to Lake Kajelago or to feed people on the street or to just love that person in coals and, and tell them about Jesus. He, when he wants to do something, he uses us. So we are his body and we are all, we're all different. We're all different body parts, which again, there's about 10 messages in here. We can't do them all. But don't expect church to be full of people like you. That, that wouldn't make sense, would it? I, I'm surprised. I often, you know, chat to people and they go, oh, I, I just feel like there's no one in the church like me. And I'm like, well, of course. How many kidneys do you have in a body? What, one, two? I don't even know. <laughs> two, two if you're doing well, I think. How many eyes? Two? How many noses? Only one nose. I'm the only one here like me. There's no one else that can smell like me. It's like, well, yeah, that's the way it works. That's a body. Every now and again, you know, some people, I guess, set themselves up in a church where they're all the same kind of people. You see that every now and again. I don't know know if it's just me, but I feel like it's kind of rich people. They like to get together. Rich people like to all be the same, get together, all the rich people. Is that right, Martin? You know about rich people. They They like to be all together, all the rich, good people who all have the same intellect and the same interests and the same ways. But what's what's the point of that? When the church can only do one thing. It's much better to have, you know, feet and hands and legs and it's armpits, you need all the bits, you know, you need them all. So, so rejoice if you're in a church and there's no one else like you because obviously you are very important. You know, if you cut the nose off, what, how we, what are you going to do about smelling, you know? Rejoice. I remember talking once to a girl, at, a country girl, and she'd been in the city and she went to Hillsong and she loved it. She said it was great. It was really fun because she came from a country church and so it was good to go to a city church, big church, different church. And I said, what, what was the comparison like? How did you find it? She goes, oh, you know, it was great. It was very different, different experience. I say, and, and she was telling me about the strengths and the weaknesses of the different types of churches. And uh, one of the things that she didn't like about Hillsong, she said that you're, you're strated off in your friendships. She said there's so many people of the same age and the same kind of manner you tend to hang out all the 20 year olds have the little 20 year old group you know or the there's the there's the the school group or there's the you know the young mums group every single group has a sort of a strata and you can do that in a big church I guess you know that's fun but she said but I love in the country church you do it this way the stratas run this way because you can't you can't hang out with all the 20 year olds there's only one other 20 year old you know what I'm saying so you hang out this way so she said you know when I stand in the church afterwards in my country church there's me and there's the five-year-old and then I'm talking to a you know a 30 year old and then we're talking to the 60 year old and and they're all different she says I find that very refreshing and, and very healthy so it's it's good for us it's, you, you know God God has all different kinds of churches in this world and praise God for Hillsong and you know, our own C3 is pretty big as well. And it's, it's wonderful to have different churches. And that's Jesus' vision, to have different churches just as we have different bodies. You know, it's, praise God for diversity these days. We're getting a little bit more diversity in the modelling world. But it's exciting, isn't it? All the different, someone's tall and someone's short and someone's big and someone's skinny and, and someone's blonde and brunette. Isn't it exciting? It's wonderful, and it's the same with churches. God is into different churches. Jesus has his vision, I will build my church, and he loves them to be all different. So Hillsong, we celebrate, and we celebrate all the country churches. We celebrate big, small, 
It's Jesus' decision what they can turn out like. I assure you, I assure you. I've been around for 30 years. I've gone to a lot of church seminars about how to do church and all the pastors are all doing all their very best. At the end of the day, it's pretty much Jesus that decides. I can assure you Brian didn't wake up and think, I know, I can start a worldwide church with you know, millions of members. It's like, no, 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 that doesn't happen like that. That's a Jesus thing. So praise God for all the different sizes and all the different parts. And we're, we're so excited that, that God has put us together as a body with all the different bits. And maybe you even feel completely hidden. No one knows. Maybe you're a ligament. You know, maybe you think, I'm just an ugly ligament. Well, I can tell you, you need your ligaments. We've got, I play hockey, as you know, and our, our star, absolute star player who always scores the goals. I was just watching her uh, last week. And she was just standing there and then the ball was over there. So she, she went to get the ball. She took off like this and then she just collapsed on the ground. I saw the whole thing. And she, went, ah, ah, and she was screaming. She says, I feel like someone hit me. Someone hit me. And I'm like, there was no one. You, you just fell over in yourself. Like nothing happened. She just took off, fell down, started screaming. So we, you know, carried her off. And anyway, it turns out she's torn a, a, her Achilles tendon. She taught tore it just because these speedy people, they run too fast. You know, you've got to be like me and just take off slowly. <laughs> I'm not even joking. Honestly, all the people who have these terrible injuries are all the people that were really fast sprinters when they were kids. And now they, they try and do the same thing, you know, when you're over 50 and your body's going like that. So you've just got to learn to just run a little bit slower. So that's how I play hockey anyway. Um, don't come and watch. <laughs> it's not pretty anymore. But, but it, you know, so, so, you know, okay. So that's one little tendon that's not working. And she's like kaput. It's like this is bad. She, is, she cannot move. She cannot run. She might have to have surgery. She's out for the season. Like it's just so annoying for us. More annoying for her, obviously, and painful and just terrible. So you might think, well, I'm just a little ligament. What do I do? It's like, you do a lot. Believe me, if you rip in half, we're going to know about it and we're going to miss you. And the Bible says, if one of you is in pain, we are all in pain. Okay? So every single one of you is very, very important in the church where God has planted you. You are missed if you are not here. You have a role to play and it is vital, whether it is a finger or a ligament or a heart or whatever it is, every part of the body matters. You notice any bit that's missing. And we need you and you're important and Jesus is building us together. So, so figure out what you're doing, figure out where, you're, you, know, where you belong, where your church is and, and get involved. And, and please don't hurt yourself. We, we want to look after you because if you hurt, we hurt. If you're missing, we're missing. So that puts, I guess, so there's the hockey team, number one goal scorer and we were top of the charts too. So now what's happening this week? We play. So who gets put up as centre forward to be the, the goal scorer? Me. So I'm like, I'm, I'm literally praying because I'm like, oh God, like I'm not as good as this girl. So last week I was like, okay, I scored a cracking, I did score a very good goal actually. It's a cracking goal. But I wasn't able to just draw it out. See, this girl does it every week. And I'm like, huh. So I prayed, but nothing. So no goals, like just nothing. It was a nil all draw. And I'm like, Oh dear. So you need to all pray for me because I've got to try and step up because I'm playing with a bunch of like 14 year olds and they're fast. I can send them, they're very fast, but they're not, 
they're a little bit silly. Like they get the ball and then hit it out. And I'm like, guys, come on. Like, anyway, that's another story. But you can see that the bot, we need each other. And without, without you or you or you or you, okay, we might survive, but a nil all draw is not what we're going for, okay? That's not where we're heading. That's not Jesus' vision. We want a church victorious, a church triumphant. So we're his body. And God is using, if God wants to do something on this earth, he's going to use his body. He uses his body to do amazing things. I've just got a few names here. You'll, you'll recognise them. Mother Teresa, Isaac Newton, Blaise Pascal, Henry Havelock. Good one, Eleanor. Um, Joan of Arc. I mean, you didn't even get the square right, Trafalgar Square. I mean, I listened to Eleanor online. I'm just like, wow. Okay. Um, yep, yep, yep. The rest of the message was fine, fine. Uh, Henry Havelock, Joan of Arc, Bach. Oh, he was so full on for God. Listen to his music. William Wilberforce, come on, we need to do something about slavery. These are all men of God, men and women of God who've done amazing things. J.R.R. Tolkien, C.S. Lewis, Scott Morrison, hello. Um, Eric Liddell, Israel Folau, pray for Israel, what a life. Billy Graham, Martin Luther King, I could go on and on and on. But do you know something? The best of that list we'll never know because most Christians aren't famous. That's not our style. We do not court fame because the, 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 most, the most of us are very, the idea is to be humble and to look for fame is, is no kind of humility. So most of us aren't famous, but occasionally God raises some up that are. So this, the church is his body, the, the people of God that are doing amazing things on this earth and in churches for him. The church is our, is our spiritual home. It's our family. It's our body. So it's not just Jesus' body. It's, it's, it's ours as well. We belong together. You are living stones being built into a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Romans 12, so in Christ, we though many form one body and each member belongs to the other. Isn't that beautiful? Each member belongs to the other. Did you know that you belong to me? You belong to me. I belong to you. We belong to each other. We, we help each other. We love each other. Just pass me my briefcase, Beth. We, we are, and we are being transformed by each other. Look here, I just want to, I got this gift. Someone came into church this morning and gave me this. Thanks. Look. Joe Gooding walked up to me at church and gave me these secateurs. And I'm like, thanks, Joe. <laughs> Random, but thank you. <laughs> you know, and I mean, this is just so beautiful. I love this. I'm saying, they look secondhand though, not new, but that's okay. You know, you can give me your old secateurs if you want. And she goes... Darling, they're your secateurs. And I went, are they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I have no... So Joe had my secateurs that were completely defunct and broken, took them, got them fixed and sharpened, and then gave them back to me. I'm just like, I, I don't even know what to say. How did you even get my secateurs? How did you know? I mean, what? You know, like, what? And she goes, no, oh, you forgot. So she, she must have come someday, which I've forgotten about, sorry. Used my secateurs, I mean, who does that anyway when you visit someone's home? Discovered that they were broken, took them and got them fixed and then brings them back to me at church. I don't know where to begin. I just think that's the sweetest thing. Who does that? I mean, who does that? Does anyone else fix someone else's secateurs? Come on, hands up. See? 
That's a very random thing. I'll throw them at you, Ben. Come on. So, <laughs> thank you. Exhibit, exhibit B. So, um, you know, that's the church. Isn't that beautiful? We just love one another. We look after one another. I love that stuff. We, 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 we are transformed by this kind of love. Thank you, Goodings, for fixing my secateurs. What a sweet thing to do. And let's do that for one another. Let's love one another. Let's help one another. Let's do whatever we do, you know, however we serve. You know, if someone's on kids' church and they're looking like they've done it about a million times, I'll do it for you. Let's, let's serve. If someone's doing the barbecue, do you want me to help? you want me to butter the bread? If someone's trying to fix the sound thing, like, Dale, like, do you want me to come in? I'm, a, I'm brainy. I can do that. What can we do to, to help to love one another? This is Jesus' vision that we are, we, are, we are offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God. The spiritual sacrifice is when we love and serve one another. We, are, we belong to each other and so of course we want to help each other. Of course we want to use our gifts to encourage. We want to use our, our love to bring unity. We want to, we want to work together. It's, so, it's just such a, a lovely thing. Now, I just wanted to add a little bit of a um, disclaimer here. You know, I'm talking about this fabulous place called church and you're probably sitting there going, oh, no, it's not that great. <laughs> it has its issues. I'm like, I know that. We're not in heaven yet. So if you take this analogy of the building, you know, when we visited Russia, they have these fabulous churches which have all been either bombed or destroyed or fallen into neglect. And so sometimes you look at them and it's this gold and beautiful on the outside and then you go inside and you go, whoa. And it's literally, some of, the, they, some of them got bombed in the Second World War. They're still fixing some of them or they're... So, I mean... There is the universal church and there's the local church. The universal church is the, the worldwide church, the mystical, amazing, spiritual church that God designs and, and plans with these different churches in different countries the way he does, only he can do. And that, and, and, and that church is perfect. That church is incredible because that's Jesus' church. But then there's the local expression of that, which is like this church. And there's a lot of local expressions. And some of the churches locally are less than perfect. They're like these Russian churches. They, they might be bombed out or they might have, you know, there are churches with, with, with very little truth in them, actually. So these would be churches with no, no pillars, no roof. They're just kind of open to the elements. There are some churches with very little love. So these would be churches like Caleb's first digs with no beds or chairs, just hard concrete. There are churches with no word of God, They've got no food. There's churches with no spiritual gifts, no water. There are churches that are not pure. They're not preaching the truth. They're not preaching purity and holiness and God's holiness, not modern 21st century version of holiness, but God's. So these would be places that have a blocked sewage system, and that can be nasty. Churches where there's no correction, no rebuke, no discipline. These would be buildings with no cleaning. They're dirty there are churches with no spiritual warfare. These would be churches with dogs in the house. And believe me, you don't want too many dogs in your house because, you know, dogs are nice, but they have their place. And wolves especially you don't want in the house. But we, you know, we've got this beautiful new puppy dog and he was sweet as a puppy, let him in the house, yay! And now he's a great big golden retriever and he is doing something fierce with hair. I don't know what's going on, but he is, he, he, it's like way, I went down the other day and there were, they were like tumbleweeds in a desert. There were, the hair was gathering and rolling around my lounge room. I went, that is it. 
The dog has to be outside. This is ridiculous. This is not a dog house. This is a people house. It's, Chris is not happy. We'll have, you have to pray for him. But the dog's got to be outside. I, I'm not, I can't, I'm not, you know, there is a place for dogs. I mean, okay, if you've got an indoor dog and it's a poodle and it doesn't molt, whatever. Okay, you, you decide. But you know what I'm saying? There's a place for people and there's a place for animals and you've got to figure this one out. And um, some of you are looking at me like I'm terrible. I can pick all the dog lovers in the house. Some of you are like, yeah, get them out. And others of you are like, how could you do that? I sleep with my dog. It's like, you do what you have to do. But you get the analogy, okay? The analogy is we don't want wolves. Let's say wolves. We don't want wolves in the building. So... So, okay, so my point about that is that the, the, the churches in their local expression are sometimes healthier than other times, just as buildings can be well-maintained, beautiful, healthy, strong, comfortable. Churches can be like that too. There are healthy churches and there are not so healthy churches and we see that in Revelation. There are some churches that are so unhealthy that God says, you better smarten up or I'm going to literally take out the lights. In other words, I'm leaving. Is no longer going to be my home. I don't want to visit you anymore. That's a bad place to be. And there are churches like that. You go into some churches and it's like, they're museums. They're literally museums. Other churches don't know it, but they're museums. <laughs> it's like, you guys need to get to a real church because God's not living here anymore. So, of course, the, the church, that's Jesus' vision is for healthy churches, and not all churches are. But let's be part of the vision to build a healthy church. We're here in C3 Narara and we're making it healthy as we can. And we have a further to go, of course. But let's all work together to be healthy in ourselves, to be that healthy body part and work together to, to, to see Jesus' vision come true. So just a couple more quickly. The church is the, found, the pillar and foundation of truth on earth. Jesus said, if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourselves in the house of God, which is the church of, living, of the living God, the pillar and foundation of the truth. So that's really interesting. The church stands in the world as the place of truth, the place where the word of God is preached and the word of God goes out from here and this is the truth. What, we, what a healthy church preaches as I said, not all churches, but a healthy church preaches is the truth and the, the truth is what will maintain a nation. Righteousness exalts a nation. Sin is a reproach. So if the church in a nation is strong and healthy, the nation will be strong and healthy. When the church fails, the nation fails. Okay? If the church is weak, the nation is weak. We, you do not understand the, the power and the importance of coming here together just for our nation. For us, for Jesus, for, there's so many reasons why the church is good, but just to keep our nation strong. I've said it, I said it to so many Russians, I go, why does your country have so many problems? Like, the Russians just slip into this problem with, this, you know, with despotism and it's like what why and she goes Ruth it's the church because your churches are strong ours are not strong and I, I was like wow and so then I did all this history and I was do, been doing all this study about what was the church like in Nazi Germany like how did the Nazi how, how did that happen you know and I thought what was the church doing and I was doing all this kind of research and there was a whole bunch of churches in Nazi Germany at the time there was there was debate there was argument but there was a bunch of them that actually had a philosophy of the state of agreeing with the state 
That was their, there was debate and there was good guys like Dietrich Bonhoeffer and all that that said, no, we've got to agree with the word of God. But there was another whole group of people that said, no, 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 the church should always reflect what the state says. So the church got itself into troubles. The church has got to be the foundation of truth and preach boldly the truth. And, and when the church does that, the nation will be strong. And there's, you know, there's so many interesting studies about that. I'm quite, I'm actually just started to study all this. It's really fun. But the truth comes out from the church and even in science. Now, you know, be excited about science. There's this guy called Rodney Stark. He was, he taught sociology and religious studies at the University of Washington. And he wasn't a Christian, but he did this study for many, many years and finally he got saved. And so he, he, he studied about Christianity and the effects of Christianity, the true effects not the effects that you read about in the paper, not the, not the sort of what the world says we've done, but what the, the reality, he goes back to real history and studied it from a very interesting point of view. He said that, he says this, the truth is not only did Christianity not impede the rise of science, it was essential to it, which is why science itself arose only in the Christian West. He goes on to say that where Christianity was strong, Science was strong. That it, 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 he, and, and it's so interesting because he says in a lot of Eastern philosophies and Vishal, there's this guy I love, Vishal Mad, Mad, Mangalwadi, who talks about the word of God and the Bible, the power of the Bible. He said the logic of the word allowed the concept of logic to flourish as opposed to the concept of nothingness and meaningless, which in his world, that's what a lot of the religion was about. And so eventually a lot of their study just stopped because it's all meaningless. So why study? It's just stopped. This, let, this destroys logic and meaningful study and discourse. So the, the, the very fact that the church preaches truth, we preach there is a truth to discover. The church preaches logic. Do you know what the word logic comes from? It comes from logos, word. The concept of a word that is true comes from Christianity. Jesus said, I am logos. He is the word. He is the concept of truth. The concept that you can study truth and discover it meant that all the Christian scientists went, great, let's discover truth. And they did. And so a great many exciting discoveries have come from places where Christianity is strong. The, the study of this kind of stuff, which we'll finish in heaven because we'll never have enough time here on earth. But when we get to heaven, we find out the truth of the history of the world. You'll be so excited to discover that it was from Christianity and from church where so much of what is good happened in this world. Why is everyone trying to get into the West? What is it about the West that is good? Hello, it's because we were the Christians. It's where Christianity flourished that has given us so... We don't even know how much has given us. Our rule of law, our understanding of logic, even lining up in queues. So much of what we do came from God, came from His Word and comes through the church as we preach it in church. We are the pillar of truth. So be excited about that and discover who we are. And finally, we're the bride of Christ. I mean, this it just goes on and on. The church is incredible. The church is so noble, so ancient, so beautiful, so spacious, covers the whole world, so high, the gateway to heaven. The church is a very wonderful and beautiful place to be. And, and what better vision for you than to build your family in church and to build the church together with Jesus. That's a life vision right there. And that's Jesus' vision. And so when we speak about vision building, that's what we're part of. 
we are a local expression here in C3 Narara of this incredible, mystical, eternal, worldwide phenomena and, and vision of Jesus, which is the church. So beautiful. And so our response to that is to build the church along with Jesus. And a very simple way to do it, obviously, we use our gifts, our talents, our energy, is to give financially. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.